Howdy folks, Tom Barbelay here. I don't know, what is this, day four? <laughs> day four at Grand Rails, the monologue continues. I came to a number of realisations today, and I just want to say, well, firstly, I want to apologise for yesterday's uh, recording, because, yeah, I just, I hadn't had enough sleep. I kind of slept in today, went down for breakfast at 6.30 and went back to bed for a, a couple of hours and edited the last bit of the Terry Terrence audio and finally listened to all of Tony Costa. So I'm going to do the audio in reverse. As I was leaving the show, I saw Tony and went up and shook his hand. He was in the comeback booth. Uh, he had a couple of other fellows with him. I wasn't sure who they were in particular. But um, yeah, we had a long chat. It was very nice. And I think Tony is going to be calling into a future model or our radio because certainly my feeling from uh, listening to all of Tony's audio, and I have to apologize because I only listened to kind of smattering section of it, in particular the baby boomers related comments. It struck me that uh, a wide variety of things that were said actually had a, a real impact on me. And certainly um, associated with the single mothers, certainly there were a number of single mothers at this show. Uh, and it really caught me that um, if the NMRA could do anything associated with outreach, um, that uh, certainly single mothers that come to these kind of shows with uh, sons and daughters in tow, and sometimes grandfathers and grandparents in tow as well. But, um, yeah, most of the women that I saw there appeared to be there um, by themselves with children, while it's hardly by themselves, but were the uh, responsible adults with children. And I think that's a phenomena, which is a societal phenomena, that uh, model railroading could um, learn from in some regard. I'm not sure how specifically, but I think that was an amazing insight of Terry Terrence, and I'd really like to thank Terry uh, for his efforts with regards to covering the Oscar Convention. He did a far better job than I've been able to do here. But I think also, on a personal note, I don't think I'll be able to record uh, interviews with people at shows. I just don't think it's uh, the format that I can do personally. Uh, it takes people like Terry and perhaps slightly smaller shows in order to do that. But I have an amazing feedback associated with the monologue. And what I will do, as all in all, I think I probably have to attend Springfield for a wide variety of reasons, if nothing more, to meet... Uh, Chris Abbott, and also Dave Frary, and potentially Lionel Strang, and probably a wide variety of participants in the show. It would be remiss of me to uh, miss out on Springfield due to the potential cost associated with a large page model railroad rat. Maybe a little bit more on that uh, in a while. Having not only caught up on sleep, but also going to the show with a sense that um, there were really strong um, social points uh, that came through the, the Tony Custer interview. I um, I went a little bit crazy. And when Tom Bubbly goes a little bit crazy, it's not really as crazy as most model railroaders. Uh, but I went back to the uh, HOM30 fellow and bought a single, uh, what is it, I've got it here in my hands, uh, 040 Baldwin Steam Loco, which I'm actually, I've got to make contact with Dave Frary, but I'm actually going to contact Dave Frary. It's the un lettered unpainted variety and see if I can send it on to him and uh, maybe commission a, a cubanization <laughs> of this little locomotive because it's a very cute little locomotive but I'm sure Dave Ferry can make it even more eclectic so I've got to email Dave if he's not already listening and maybe he's listening and maybe he'll email me first uh, to get his going rates with a view that it'll be a, a little project not a, a mammoth project but something that uh, I'd be really pleased to own a, a piece of uh, Dave Ferry uh, messed with uh, HOM30 uh, if he's still doing commissions, I've got to establish all of that. I, uh, yesterday in my wanderings, found uh, Railways at War by John Westwood and also um, Victory Rode the Rails uh, by George Edgar Turner. 
both these books captivated me when I saw them. I put them back on the shelf with the view that if they were still available Saturday afternoon, I'd pick them up. So that's the extent of my craziness. Two books. <laughs> and an HOM 30 locomotive. A wide variety of folk actually came up to me today, and um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to remember all the names, so I, I feel kind of remiss in, in fact, mentioning any names. But I was able to go back to some of the manufacturers that I met with yesterday as well and said, look, clearly the show was still very busy for them and I couldn't record audio with them because it's still busy, uh, but I'm going to endeavour to get them on future shows because I think each of them have uh, particular niches. There was a group of uh, S-scale operators as well who I wasn't able to go back and collect email addresses for, but I'm going to have to track down the various folk that I approached online and see if we can get them to call in. I was able to go back to the Lansing uh fellow who was going to be interviewed and, and picked up his details and he's going to be listening into future shows and hopefully will call in uh, because Lansing, East Lansing I mean I've spent 10 days in East Lansing and I crossed over the border a couple of times uh, through that period of time but it really, yeah, that really is a little railroading area uh, so we'll, we'll need to get uh, the fellow on, uh, again unfortunately my paper notes are away from me as I'm doing the recording uh, of this but yeah it'd be wonderful to have him on I uh, caught up with uh, Clark Cooney again. Clark um, filled me in on the other life of Lionel Strang. Lionel's a, a man of mystery, and I'm really—I uh, have to—I have to confess. I mean, even though his uh, wife had injured her leg, and that's a, a perfectly legitimate excuse to avoid a train show, I was really hopeful uh, that I would catch up with Lionel at this show and wander around with him. And certainly, uh, a couple of the listeners uh, came up to me uh, today and indicated, you know, where's Lionel? What's, ha- what's happening with Lionel? So, yeah, funnily enough, Tony Costa as well asked me about Lionel, uh, because, uh, yeah, Tony was really quite surprised with the quantity of Lionel Strang related content we get on Mother Railroad. I don't know, I don't know whether Comeback wants him back or what the story is, but, uh, certainly Tony would like to hear more Lionel Strang related stuff. So, yeah, I said, um, uh, hopefully we'll get Lionel to, to Springfield. In fact, I should have mentioned to Tony actually that Lionel was at, I think, the last Springfield. Uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, Lionel and I will, uh, hopefully be able to reconvene our intended meeting, uh, for this show at Springfield. Maybe we might actually be able to record some audio together. Maybe he'll drop into a monologue or something like that. Uh, because, yeah, I, I really was hoping to meet Lionel, uh, this show. I did catch up with Joe Fugate, actually. Uh, shook his hand and we talked a little bit, uh, about getting him on a, a future show. And I congratulated him for his, um, space. And I talked to his uh, advertising fellow associated with, uh, you know, putting uh, a full-page ad uh, in, and he had the numbers associated with the various publications. It's pretty bleak for Model Railroader, actually. The um, I uh, also bumped into Rob Pinkle again, and Rob noted that they lose about 5% of their readership a year, uh, which is, seems to be, yeah, my calculations from, I don't know, yesterday associated with the numbers. So... Yeah, it'd be, it'd be wonderful to have Tony Custer on. And certainly when I chat with Tony, I mentioned to him that, uh, yeah, we have a very different demographic, certainly than the NMRA and Model Railroad in terms of our listenership. And I uh, gave the example associated with uh, the gift-giving period of last year uh, and the success that we saw through that period uh, in terms of new listeners. Because, yeah, I think, obviously, a number of people are quite receptive to this particular format. Uh, what else was more related? So I went back twice. I went in the morning from about, uh, I don't know, probably 10.30 on and took a series of photos that were all 
Well, some of them, a good number of them, were too blurry to use. I posted them to the Facebook group. For folks not on the Facebook group, I don't know what you guys are going to do. I kind of feel a bit awful associated with just the volume of stuff that goes on through the Facebook group, particularly because it represents a small fraction, in fact, a fraction of a percentage of our total listeners. But um, that being said, uh, although clearly if you're not on Facebook, Facebook is an evil company that's harvesting your information and doing no good with it, and I understand that, but you may want to consider starting up just a Model Rail Radio-related Facebook page, uh, if nothing more, to actually access the content on Facebook, with the view also that I probably should, I don't know, put the content elsewhere as well. I haven't really thought that far ahead associated with this, but um, I don't know, I haven't looked at the second wave of photos that I took in the afternoon because I spent uh, had lunch, I went to uh, Taco Boy, which was recommended to Boy, compared to the Italian place. This is like three doors down from the Italian place. And uh, just constant stream of it's coming through. Parents, kids, oh, the place was heaving. So, yes, um, clearly, and, um, well, roughly half the price of the Italian place, but still, um, you know, model railroaders like their tacos. I think that's the uh, moral of that story. But like I said, came back after lunch, uh, and yeah, retook a wide variety of photos which I'm yet to upload. And the feedback through the Facebook group has just been absolutely phenomenal uh, through this show. I mean, many, many uh, posts from a wide variety of folk. And I've started putting surveys up as well associated with some of my musings from these monologues. So what, the, what did I take away from the show? Oh, the one fellow who I didn't get a chance to talk with again, and I will go back and find my photos and put them up on Facebook, was the fellow who did the uh, wet Boston uh, N-scale layout, the small one that I mentioned uh, in my first monologue, because his stuff was very good, and I'm really a bit disappointed I didn't have a chance to catch up with him. Other layouts that were getting a lot of attention, it's funny, the Z-scale layout, there was a big Z-scale layout that was an L that was, I don't know, maybe 15 feet by... Uh, actually, it was more like a U. I've got to get my facts straight before I start talking. Anyway, the number of kits around the Z-scale stuff was just phenomenal. It was the right height for them for a start. And I think that was really quite critical. But it was comparable to the Lego layout, and I went back and tried to take more photographs of both these layouts because just in terms of sheer parent density with little kids, these were the two standout layouts of the show. Uh, the height was there. I don't think the velvet rope phenomenon was, well, it's never velvet. It's normally, you know, white, <laughs> cheap acrylic rope. But anyway, that was a phenomenon that I saw at the show. And I think the layouts that didn't have that typically had stronger crowds around them. And this also, I mean, just in terms of sheer volume, obviously, you know, Mike Slater's uh, module group, they had the crowds too. But the smaller layouts without the velvet rope seemed to just capture people, but mainly because they could actually interact with them. On some level, there were various layouts that had kind of high wall perspex and other uh, techniques to keep the folks off. But I think, in general, and I've never done this, so I can't I can't ascertain whether or not that's the case. But the um, yeah, the impact of actually having up the velvet rope is uh, is one that uh, I guess the layouts that, that had that stuff, even though they were trying to obviously keep people from breaking stuff, suffered from. And uh, really, I think maybe it's a, a method that needs to be considered associated with not necessarily putting the highest detail stuff at the very edge of the layout when you do uh, when you do module layouts, maybe just a little bit more grass or what have you on the, on the end, uh, with the view that, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed to keep people away. Just an observation. So I went back and double-checked on the uh, scale stuff, and I think I counted, I think I said six, and I did a recount and there was five. But there was still an extraordinarily large amount of it. And part of it was also that... Um, 
yeah, customs and a variety of other places had the uh, one to sixty four primers guide, uh, which was yeah you know, was was prominent. And I don't know whether the, the Midwest is just an S scale area or what the story is, uh, but GSE was out in strong force as well. And really, in some areas, there was as much Z as there was any. It was really quite curious. And you know, I don't know. The only problem I had with the Z-scale stuff, and I'm not sure if it's associated with the locomotives, and certainly we've got enough listeners to give feedback on this, but none of them really seem to be operating at kind of prototypical speeds. They were all running slightly too fast, and I'm not sure whether that's actually due to the locomotives or the preferences of the people that are operating, or basically Z-scale operating at prototypical speeds is just too slow. But, um, yeah, it was just an observation that I made that basically... There was a lot of Z, but it was just running just a little bit too quickly. And it was funny, actually, a number of the parents came up to the Z-scale stuff and said, ah, oh, this is N. And um, wherever possible, when the people went around, I actually pointed out, no, a bit smaller, it's Z-scale. G-scale layout that I actually missed, and there seemed to be slightly more stuff. There was a European layout and uh, a G-scale layout that just popped up, and somehow I managed to miss it. And it's only coming back now to my room that I realised that uh, I didn't get it in, but... There was nothing that was live steam. Uh, there was some like animated G-scale stuff. I did get back to the Pico booth and actually really quite buoyed from um, my experiences and, you know, meeting Mike Slater and these kind of things and talking to him again today that I um, went out and, uh, well, I mean, just by making purchases, I think you actually translate yourself from uh, being a... Where's my badge? I can actually read out. But, you know, being a, a member of the media to actually actively participating in the fun event. And, yeah, just getting a sense of the family quantity, the quantity of families out today um, and the grandparents and grandchildren and the parents and children and all these kind of things just made me really feel that the hobby was quite alive, even though a majority of the folk there clearly weren't listeners to Modern Royal Radio. But, yeah, it's just a really good day. I don't know whether... Things just had to resolve themselves from yesterday, what the story was. I got the sense that there was probably roughly double the amount of folk there today as there was yesterday. And I think that made a huge difference in terms of just the general sense of the show. Now, Tim and Clark were just completely flat out the whole time. And I, I, apologies to Tim Morris because he was one of the guys who I didn't have an opportunity to say goodbye to. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with him over the past uh, few days. Uh, and yeah, he, you know, in terms of just absolutely vibrant rising star in the hobby, you can't get much closer than Tim Whereas, so hats off to him. Although this year the Berties are going to be, um, pretty intense. In fact, that's one of the things that I'm going to get onto when I get back is actually doing a slight reorg of the Berties, um, in terms of getting, uh, some preliminary voting and then voting that, um, the full listenership can participate in as well. Uh, because, yeah, it was, uh, Quite a phenomenon to see a, a Bertie Award in the, uh, in the Perspex or whatever the term is. And I think, um, particularly through the introduction that I've given to a number of folk at this show, uh, associated with Model Rail Radio is slowly but surely the kind of recognition that we've gotten from the general listenership may also be uh, recognized through manufacturers and other things. Not so that they can, uh, sponsor the show. Obviously, Tim did ask me very politely about sponsorship and I told him very politely. But the format of the show is not going to change. So, um, yeah, no sponsorship, nothing like that, no requests for subscriptions or any kind of donations, even with the model where I'll write around, uh, Rob Hinkle there. Uh, I think I got the impression Rob Hinkle was kind of pressing me out about whether I would uh, run the model where I'll write around. 
Yeah, I don't know. I haven't had any discussion with management yet, but um, I would like to run the model railroad. Thank you. Uh, I think when we reach 150,000, it might be slightly more amusing. Uh, but enough on that. Let's leave on a positive note. So yeah, just a really great end to the show for me. Uh, a sense that the hobby is very much alive uh, in this part of the world. And um, yeah, just a sense of a lot of happy people, a lot of happy kids and grandparents and mothers and fathers. And yeah, just a very, very good sense that, um, you know, doing this show on a regular basis isn't just about getting together an eclectic group of folk. It's also about actually something that... Uh, a lot of people get a great degree of pleasure in. And for my little bit of the hobby, I mean, this is the funny thing, that I actually enjoy recording the show and producing the show and doing all these bits and pieces. And in large part, this is my representation of the hobby as well. So when people mock me about not having a lamp or being a rubber gauger or even a, whatever, a theoretical rubber gauger, well, I think this body of work speaks volumes. So... Folks listening in, thank you very much for putting up with my monologues. Apologies, well, like I said, the Facebook photos will hopefully make up, as will the uh, the YouTube clips when I get back to the Bay Area. It's going to be a relatively hectic uh, few weeks with work, but I have made the commitment to record another show uh, next weekend, Saturday, uh, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. I'm going out for breakfast, a late breakfast, uh, with a friend in the Bay Area, so my hope is that that will draw to a conclusion in time for me to get back and start recording. I might begin a little late, uh, but yeah, I probably shouldn't put that out in audio form. Anyway, so I'm going back with a light bag. I sent a whole lot of stuff back to myself, clothing-wise, so I will be able to take some books. I've got a couple of books for my wife as well, so I did buy the um, required spousal gift associated with going away for such a long period of time. Tom Barbelay, last day in Grand Rapids, sad to say, last full day in Grand Rapids, signing out. And, yeah, all planning for the Berties, Springfield, and potentially, yes, an ad model railroad, thanking the wide variety of folk who've participated. Spanky, you missed a lot. You were solidly missed, and, um, yes, uh, no excuses for Springfield, because I'm not going to make any either. Anyway, pleasure talking to you all. Tom Barbelay in Grand Rapids, signing out. <laughs>